This is Learn It From An 80s Song. I am your coach, Patricia Freiberg. This is I Love the 80s meets the healing of storytelling and the positive impact of music. Inspiring guests share their powerful stories, yielding incredible strengths. Through both story and music, this podcast will elevate your mood, providing you with a positive outlook. It will ignite recall so that you can tap into your own life experiences. We don't just hear the knowledge and wisdom gained from our podcast guests. Through powerful story, we can live it. Today, we have a very special guest. Please welcome Samantha Parker. Samantha holds a master's degree in kinesiology and a BS in sports and exercise science. As a certified yoga therapist and personal trainer, she has taught over 8,000 hours of yoga across the globe. She has served as the first chief yoga therapist for the Department of Defense at Landstuhl Regional Medical Center treating U.S. and NATO special forces suffering from polytrauma, DBIs, and PTSD. She developed, managed, and researched the first yoga program addressing kinesiophobia to reduce and manage chronic pain, opiate medications, improve soldier function, readiness, and return to active duty status. In addition to working with special forces and active duty military, she has worked with professional athletes from football players to elite ballet dancers. She's the CEO of NMS, creator of Yomo, and the best-selling author of Yoga for Chronic Pain, dot, 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 WTF. She speaks trains, and develops yoga-based movement programs to address kinesiophobia. She advises fitness, yoga, and medical providers, along with leading military and government official on the newest emerging yoga therapy and functional movement practices. She currently resides in Washington, D.C., and she continues to work with the U.S. government. All right, Samantha, it is so great to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for asking me. This is just a really cool podcast. I love the, I love the concept of it. Yes, yes. Thank you. And this is the part of the show where we do the big reveal of what song we're going to be talking about today. So Samantha, what is the song of the 1980s that best resonates with your story. Can I get a drum roll, please? What is your song? Time of my life. Yes, yes. I was waiting for this song to come up, finally. Dirty Dancing. (laughs) It's the first one that kind of popped. I mean, there's a lot of good ones, don't get me wrong. But this one like really just, I don't know, it's always stuck with me. So I just. Bravo. Great choice. Great choice. I absolutely love the song. It's 1987 um, with Bill Medley and Jennifer Warnes. 
such a great choice, such a great movie. I mean, so good. It was. I just absolutely love the movie. When I finally was able to watch it. <laughs> so when I finally kind of snuck away. But yeah. Yeah, I want to, and I want to hear about that. But, you know, I, I have to tell you, Samantha, I found out the most interesting thing about this um, song. So, and I have to read it to you because from Wikipedia, because I didn't know this, but let me just pull it up here. So this song was actually uh, intended for Donna Summer and Joe Esposito, but Summer turned it down because she didn't like the title of the film. Now, Bill Medley was approached Uh, many times over a couple months, but turned it down because his daughter was due and he promised his wife that he would be there. Then after the birth of his daughter, Medley was approached again. Jennifer Warnes was indicated that she wanted to record the song and so she could do the duet with Medley. Then Medley agreed to record the track and it became a worldwide hit. And one of the most frequently played songs on the radio. So, I mean, so interesting that Donna Summer's like, you know, I don't like the name Dirty Dancing. Totally respect that. Meanwhile, Bill's, you know, got his daughter being born. That's like, yeah, no, I'm going to turn this down. But then that magic happened where Bill and Jennifer, they come together to sing this amazing duet. And honestly, I can't imagine a better duet and anyone else doing this song. I was thinking the same thing. I was actually thinking like in my head, Donna Summers singing. Not that I don't love Donna Summers, but now I'm like, you know what I mean? So now I'm trying to hear her voice in the song. And honestly, things happen for a reason. I really, you know, and timing is everything. I do believe that. But yeah, I couldn't imagine the song being anything else than what it is right now. So yeah, yeah. so good. So good. Yeah. All right. So Samantha, share with us your story. I want to know, um, you had also alluded to something about you getting to see Dirty Dancing and your first exposure to that. And then also we want to hear your story today. So basically by definition, I grew up in a cult. So we were extremely, extremely religious and Dirty Dancing. No way in the world that I was going to be going to see one of those movies you know, just, just off the title, right? I've heard such things about that movie and it's just too risque and da da da. And of course, I'm just like, I want to go see it. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So like, I want to see it even more now. Right. But I love, I've always loved to dance. I always wanted to take dance lessons and I, my mom kept telling me, no, you get to play, take piano lessons. I'm like, I don't want to take piano lessons. But um, long story, I mean, I had a friend of mine, she was not in our religion. So I would go over and spend, you know, the night with her, sometimes do sleepovers. And I watched it over at her house and I was just mesmerized. I just fell in love with the movie and I could see why my parents would say, no, it's, it's too risque. But compared to these days, psh, you know, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I mean, we've come a long, like a long way. But I think at the, the end of the movie, right, I just, I mean, I just fell in love with the movie. And... You know, at the very end, that's when the big song comes on. They put baby in the corner. And I think it just resonated with me on so many different levels because 
I guess the entire time that I was growing up in this religion, it wasn't bad compared to others, right? But we did do things extremely different. You know, we had like a, we had a lot of little bits and pieces from many different religions. And I guess in the back of my head, I was always thinking, how can we be the only right and true religion? How is everybody else wrong? And why is all of this behavior bad? Because when I looked at the movie, I didn't see anything bad about that movie, right? I just saw that here she was, here's baby. She was able to be introduced to just new circumstances, new events, new people. And she was able to basically grow and step outside and experience life. And in the end, she ended up having the time of her life. Life. And I just want, I just knew like, I want to be baby. I want to experience. There's got to be something more than all of what they're teaching me. And I just knew that there was so much more out there that I had to go experience and see and do. And I just wanted to have the time of my life doing it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I just wanted to be picked up and there, I don't know. I just, oh, I did want to learn how to dance like that too. I yes. will say that. <laughs> Definitely. It's so interesting. I think it was just, like I said, there was, my parents had this amazing blind faith that their religion was the right and true religion. And I just in the back, it just never sat right with me. It's Mm -hmm. so we ended up butting heads a lot. It actually caused quite a divide in, you know, my relationship with my parents because I was kind of like the black sheep and Sam, you're going to burn in hell because (laughs) you can't get on the bandwagon and just, you know, I remember, oh my goodness, like this was young too. So I'm talking like 12 years old, 12 and 13. And I'm just sitting here kind of going, this just doesn't sit right. And I would ask questions. Well, can you explain this to me more? Worst thing ever. (laughs) I would get sat down for like three hour Bible study lectures about, and which at the time I didn't know I had ADHD. So that was like the worst thing for me ever. (laughs) And (laughs) And at the end, they still never answered the question. They still never... I appreciate the fact, I will say this about my parents. They had this amazing blind faith and they still do. And I'm not saying that religion is a bad thing. It can be a good thing for so many people, but they had this blind faith and I just couldn't get on board because I saw all of this other stuff. And I had these really good friends in high school and such. And I'm like, they're not part of our religion, but they're good people. Like they're really Mm -hmm. good people. Mm -hmm. And I just knew I had to get out. I had to get out. I had to go and explore. And basically, as soon as I turned 18, I packed up my little Geo Metro and I drove to Texas. And I actually went to school down there at this little, it was a college, but yeah. And I just happened to know people that lived in that area. And that's why I picked that school. Had nothing to do with like, (laughs) have I ever wanted to go to school there? No, it was just, I knew people there. I would kind of have a little bit of support group and I was out. So (laughs) over the years, I ended up meeting my ex-husband now, but he was actually stationed. I went to school down in Texas and he was actually stationed at Barksdale in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And that's where we met. And then the next thing you know, we were dating and he's like, I got orders to Italy. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. You're going to basically get paid to go and travel Europe. How cool is that? And he's like, 
well, do you want to come with? And I'm like, but that means we have to get married. Right. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, all right. I'm kind of like, why not? I got nothing else to do. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> I, was still, I was still like 25. I mean, I had been going to school kind of like on and off. I had a good job, but something I definitely didn't want to do for the rest of my life. And I was like, I'm in. And then the next thing you know, a year later, I am pregnant with our first child and moving over to Italy for four years. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think that that's kind of, I do kind of wonder, you know, how some people, they just seem more adventurous. So I do believe that's like a solid base character type. But also though, too, you know, the fear of the unknown just holds so many people back. So even those that have like this more adventurous spirit sometimes get held back by it. And I have just learned the one thing I will regret later on in my life is the what ifs. I would much rather know, hey, you're going to end up busting your head open if you try to go through that wall. But now I know, (laughs) right? And the bruises and the gash will heal. But now I know. So, (laughs) but yeah, so then my son, my oldest son was born in Italy. And then my ex, he cross trained with just, he got a different job within the military and we pinged around the States for not even 18 months Mm -hmm. due to school. And then we got another duty assignment. And then I actually, when we, he was in school, we got pregnant with my second son. And then, um, long story, we ended up three bases later in 18 months, not even, yeah, 18 months. And then he was deployed and he's like, calls me up from downrange. He's like, all right, I have to talk to you very quickly. This is something we have to address now. And we have to come up with an answer now. I was like, holy shit. I'm like, are you okay for one? Yeah, he was right. down in Afghanistan. Right. And I was like, and he's like, yeah. He goes, uh, I got orders to Korea. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, so typically orders to Korea, you're only going to be there for, it's called a 365 for a short tour. Yeah. And he's like, so I can do that. But that means that when I get home, I'll only be home for two months and then I'm gone again for another year. So between all of the getting ready for that deployment and other military people more than likely know this, you know, it's that would have almost been two years that he wouldn't have been around. Mm -hmm. And he's like, but they're starting to do families, family sponsorship. So we can all go. And I'm like, all right, then let's go. Because the kids were really young then. So I wasn't too worried about school or things Mm -hmm. like that. But yeah, so then he got back and what, maybe four months after he got back, we were in Korea, South Korea. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> was there for two years. And that's when I really, really got into it. all this time. I kind of, um, as a mom in the fitness world. So I guess I've been in the fitness industry for 19, 20 years, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I was always teaching classes and it was actually in Italy where I ended up So this is a little bit of background to where I get now in my career, Mm -hmm. but I was getting migraines Mm. like almost once a month. And these were the type of migraines to where like the first day I'm like out of commission, like Mm. no light, no sound. And I had, yeah. And I had a really small young toddler child. And then the next day I just felt like crap because it was like, I felt like I got hit by a truck. Right. And then Mm -hmm. I'd be fine. And they kept getting like consistent and actually worsened in severity. And so when I was going to the doctor, 
at that time, I was getting injected with Novocaine because that was before Botox. <laughs> so the, they said the majority of my migraines were coming from tension in my trapezius muscles, and they'd shoot me up with Novocaine. And then I was on muscle relaxers. I can't remember all of it. There was something else. I was going to the chiropractor. I was doing massages. Everything was just kind of like a temporary fix, you know, just a Band-Aid. And there was one day I looked at the, like, Aster and I said, I am... I'm only 26, 27. I'm like, I don't, how long am I going to have to take these meds? And she's like, maybe the rest of your life. I'm like, no, that's not acceptable. And I was like, there's got to be something else. And she's like, okay, try yoga. I'm like, yoga. So where I grew up, I'm originally from Wisconsin. So being in this, like, you know, the kind of like this little cult, Mm -hmm. we didn't do yoga. This I'm pre-internet, so I can Google it. I mean, we literally had like encyclopedias. Like, right. right. I remember. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Loved an encyclopedia. I tell you. Yep. So yoga obviously was all over the world, but I was just never exposed to it really. So I was like, yoga, all right, I'll give it a shot. And I went to a couple of classes and I started going like maybe two, two times a week. And within the first two months, I had lost, like, I firmed everything up. I didn't lose any weight, but I lost like a whole dress size. And I was like, okay, I'm good with this yoga thing. And that kind of kept me in it, right? That was kind of like my, like, carrot to keep, like, to keep going. And then about eight months later, I realized, hey, it's been a little bit longer since my last migraine happened. So the duration and the frequency of my migraine started getting further and further apart. And I was able to then start to learn my triggers. So then I was able to start working out more, like really getting back into physical fitness. And I just loved it. Like fitness in general has always been my therapy. It's, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, so, and it's just, it really is. That's my therapy. And I was able to start getting back into it. And then about two years later, I was able to come off all my meds. Wow. Yeah. So what I think what I've ended up learning is I ended up suffering a lot of whiplashes and concussions and cervical issues. And I think that that was, it was just the tension and the compression. Mm -hmm. And those were all the triggers. So then the healthier I got, you know, I was able to hold myself back and I was stronger. And then therefore, and then I knew what my triggers were too. Like, so I no longer do headstands or bungee jump, you know? So that was kind of like, so that was, those were the (laughs) triggers. So this is like every 24 hours, yeah, I would do one and I'd end up with a migraine. So, wow, yeah. And so I think over the years, then when we got to Korea, then I was training a lot more. I mean, I hit the ground running. I was teaching like 10 group classes a week and then I was personal training and having to turn people away. So just because I was still like a kid, you know, a mom of small kids, but there were not a lot of people at this base because it was a smaller military base. Mm-hmm. And therefore I was, I had all of these qualifications and all these certifications and, and then we moved to Germany after that. So then when we got to Germany, they, you know, I was kind of like, well, maybe I should start to find a real job. (laughs) Right. Even though I hit the ground and like two weeks later, I was already teaching a whole bunch of classes and, oh my gosh, you're a yoga teacher. You know, they find that out and then boom, um, I I was always busy, but I was kind of like, I need something more. And um, that's when I came across the job. It was kinesiotherapy assistant yoga instructor. Oh, yes. And I was looking at the PD, the job description. I was like, this job was written for me. Like this job is mine. 
Like I just felt it in my bones and it closed in like one day. So I just happened to come across it. I don't even know how I did. And then this was the thing too. It well, came timing. Back. Like yes, you said, timing. timing is everything. And persistence. Yes. What I ended up finding out is they send it off or they sent off this automatic generated email saying, you're not eligible for this position based off of blah, blah, blah. I was like, like I knew in my bones, I was qualified for this job. Mm -hmm. And I actually called up the HR and I was like, why did I get marked ineligible? This is, and they said, oh, because on your questionnaire, it, it was marked. Um, it said, dot, 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 dot. You didn't mark this one, which makes you ineligible. I'm like, that is not what I put. And he actually went back into the system. The system read it wrong. The oh. computer goofed. I had marked all of the, like all of the questionnaires, like correctly. And right. the system goofed. So that's where the persistence comes in. Yes. (laughs) Love it. And that's what I ended up needing during this job. So I was part of an interdisciplinarian team. We were one of five pilot programs and we were tasked with creating a simple, easy, duplicatable program using holistic modalities in conjunction with Western medicine and helping to reduce prescription medication use, which mostly they were more concerned with the prescription opioid medication use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it it was everything. So it was like their anxiety, their depression, medication for their TBIs or all these other medications that they were potentially right. on. And they were trying to get wean them off the meds, but in the process, okay, we're going to wean you off of it, but what do we give you to try to get you over that hump in the process? So we were basically there. I w- we had a oh, acupuncturist, a massage therapist. Myself was a yoga instructor. Um, the PT, OT, OTA, yeah. you know, and then we had a pain trained psychiatrist and during this pilot program, we were tasked and mandated by MedCom to, um, to, and then whoever had the best results were, they were going to cookie cutter it, put it in within the VA and other military facilities or military medical facilities. Yes. And we were getting such amazing outcomes that they thought. They thought we were padding our numbers because we were getting such great results. Wow. So when we started, yeah, so we ended up creating this program and we had a lot of hurdles and a lot of obstacles because, you know, how do we all play well in the sandbox together? And then how are we able to then more importantly help the patient, you know, reinforce which each modality is important. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't think there's some people that believe, I hear this a lot, like yoga saved my life. Mm-mm. you're giving way too much credit to one specific thing. Mm-hmm. And I always tell, and while I think that it's great that they realize that how much yoga helped, mm-hmm. it didn't save their life. They're the ones that saved their life because yes. they kept making the conscious decision to do what was working for them. Love it. And so I don't believe yoga is going to be the one cure-all. It's a combination of physical exercise. It's a combination of your sleep. It's your nutrition. It's not just yoga. Don't get me wrong. It's great though. Yes. Yes. 100%. Yeah. So when it comes to the persistence in creating this program, you know, they would find, (laughs) I would get so so many weird looks walking down the hall because I'm wearing yoga gear, walking down the hall in the hospital and like, what the heck is she doing? You know? And, and then I had to, because I wasn't a licensed medical provider. So I do have like an undergrad in exercise phys, a master's in kinesiology. And I am now a certified yoga therapist. 
Yes. And there's only about 3,800 of us who are globally certified right now, mm-hmm. but it's a huge emerging new light cam modality. Mm-hmm. And so because I'm not licensed, I still had to ac- have access to patient notes. So then like, okay, how do we get our access? So it was kind of like, I, and I actually ended up creating the first yoga program for the DOD. And wow. so I just had to figure out if I can't figure a way around to go around it or under it or over it, you put your head down and you can go just through it. it. You know? For our audience, could you tell us what DOD stands for? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Department of Defense. Mm-hmm. So I was working for the Army and we were at Launchdale Regional Medical Center. And that hub over there, that hospital, when people, soldiers get injured downrange or they need more intense specialty care, they get med flighted up to Launchdale. And then a lot of times too, they'll get, if it's a burn victim or, you know, amputee, they'll get them stable enough many times. And then they'll fly them out to either like down in Bamsey, down in um, Texas or to Walter Reed. So it just depends. And then some people we were able to treat fully over there. So that's amazing. It's amazing that, that, that you, that you worked on this program that is has so many different modalities to help support the patient. And, and it's true, like not one size does not fit all. It really is everybody working together. And I can't imagine a more deservant group of people than our military and those who have fought for our country. I can't, Im- I mean, of all people, they should be the ones getting this high level and want 360 degrees of support. And it's how incredible, Samantha, that you, that you did this, that you pioneered this movement, really. Thank you. I'm, I feel extremely blessed and fortunate. Like, I know sometimes people think that'll be cliche. And you're, I, like, again, I believe that things happen for a reason and timing is everything. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm still not quite sure. Like, I have all of this, like, knowledge. I should be doing something more with it. Sometimes I feel like I'm not able to see it right now in the moment, but yeah, it was an amazing opportunity. And the patients would be like, you've taught me so much. You saved my life. I'm like, no, we didn't. We just told you what to do. And you actually made the decision to listen to us (laughs) and then do what worked for you. And I think sometimes too, because, you know, the human ego is a really huge thing, right? And it's, can be quite the character to kind of keep in check and rein in when we need to. And so that's why I say like, I believe in medication. Like I'm so grateful. I had an epidural when I, my kids were born. Right. Yeah, right. 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 <laughs> and I believe that there's a time and a place for medication. 100%. But there needs to, but I think that's the other thing too. I think so many people because of their own agenda, even be, either because it's, and I'm thinking too, like within the medical, we're slowly, but surely within Western medicine, starting to kind of branch out and doctors say, you know, I've had people find me on the internet and go, I'm like, how'd you find me? And they're like, my doctor actually recommended I find a yoga therapist. I was like, what? This is amazing. So there's finally starting to get that push, but we're still way behind. And I think that, you know, if we think like, no, they only need PT, they don't need anything else. Or, you know, it's, I think that many of us were kind of in our lanes Yeah. And you know, you bring up such a great point because the thing about yoga and uh, yoga therapy, you're actually teaching them tools that they can take with them, you know, and 
physical therapy is amazing. And yes, you get great exercises from them as well. And, you know, doctors that, that work with people are amazing as well. But what we really need to give patients is a way for them to continue on after they finish their treatment to continue their own personal growth. And so I can see how yoga therapy, you know, introducing them to this, and then they now then are given that toolbox to be able to continue on after they've uh, finished treatment. Yes. And I used to tell, so I structured the entire program that I am teaching you to fish. I'm not giving you a fish. Mm -hmm. If I do my job right, you're not going to need me except to call me up or send me a quick text and go, hey, I'm having this flare up. I ended up you know, doing X, Y, and Z. How can I modify it until it heals up? But how can I still keep moving? Also too, I will say this. When we were at the program, when, when we were creating the program, because we were getting such great results, they would say like, what kind of freaking yoga are you doing over there? Like your numbers are like through the roof. And I'm like, well, I was like, I don't, you know, at the time I didn't really know what they were looking for, but what I finally learned was how to articulate it now to the medical community. 100%. But what we were doing was because motion is lotion, right? We have to move We're we have to. And that's also how we help to heal ourselves. But so many people, they don't do it. So even though we know how important exercise is, not just physically, but cognitively, emotionally, why do we, like, why do Americans still not do it? This was always a question I found myself trying to answer. And there's like, what is it by ACSM? I think they, like, I can't remember if what year it was, but you know, like 80% of the average American population do not get the, just the recommended. recommended daily amount of exercise. And I'm like, we know all these benefits. So why aren't people doing it? It's kinesiophobia, mm-hmm. the fear of movement and or injury or re-injury. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what we were working with a lot of times for, with our patients. And what we didn't, what we ended up realizing, especially myself, is we were actually helping to address kinesiophobia to get them moving, which ended up helping all of these other issues. Right. And so when I talk to the medical professionals, they're like, well, what exactly are you doing? I'm like, well, we're doing cognitive restructuring with a biopsychosocial approach when we're activating the endocrine response. Well, and then they're like, that makes such perfect sense. sense. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, elevating the mood. A decreasing mm-hmm. depression, decreasing yep. anxiety. And we'll get to this in a moment, but now more than ever, we got to get people moving because, you know, with the pandemic and with the levels of, you know, depression and anxiety that we're seeing right now, especially in our young people, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think the movement certainly will help that. And yeah, and I'd yeah. love to talk more about that. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple things come to mind. So one of the questions we ask is, what strengths, you know, you gave us a beautiful history and story of how you got to where you are, which is amazing. And, and, and what you've given to, uh, you've been of service to our military and, and helped them through injuries. And like, thank you for your service, for servicing those who needed you. And uh, such great work, Samantha. My question is, what strengths, you know, from you being a youngster and being part of this cult religion in the Midwest, 
and, and there's a couple words you used along the way that I'll bring up also, but um, what strengths did it take, not only, you know, as a youngster, so if you take the through line through your life as a youngster, being part of a cult, then moving around like 30, I think I read 35 countries you've lived well, I in. Visited, I visited like 33 or something. I've yeah. lived in three different countries. Three different well, countries. And you moved around also within the United States. So with the amount of places that you've lived, everybody knows that who's ever moved once, how much, even if you move up the street, which we did during COVID, you know, it's still a process. And yet you uprooted your family, toddlers, you know, the whole nine yards. And then also moving into, you know, going into this medical community as a yoga therapist, you know, the strengths that that takes to prove yourself because not everybody sees things in the same way. And granted, you worked with a very open-minded team, obviously, because you were brought onto the team. But Mm -hmm. I know well that there is a level of proving yourself within that system as well. So what strengths do you think, if you look at that, encapsulate those three, that through line, what would you say would be your top strengths? Oh my goodness. My curiosity. Mm -hmm. I think I have this just underlining curiosity about everything and anything. I mean, my ex used to call me a career college student. He meant it as a negative. I took it as a positive, you know, but I'm I'm always curious. And I think it stemmed when I was younger, you know, curiosity, like why is our religion so much better than others? But what Mm -hmm. else is out there in the world? What else am I missing out on? And yeah, so I think my curiosity is one of them. And it led me to, okay, now we're in Italy or Germany. I'm curious what's across the border. What's in, how is their culture different? So, right. Yeah. And then I'm curious too, like, I think, and then the job at Launchstool, I'm just so curious about the human body. I mean, I just think it's amazing, you know, one simple rotation of the palms and like, you're going to get a completely different sensation. But then I was genuinely curious though, too, about other people's modalities. So I wanted to learn more like, okay, so how can I correlate or reinforce acupuncture in yoga, which many times is easy. Same thing with massage. But then what about the pain anesthesiology docs? Like what exactly are they doing over there? What exactly is a spinal block or what exactly is a nerve oblation or, and, you know, and then with psych too, catastrophizing, okay, what exactly is this? Because it's all, it's all intertwined. And mm-hmm. I met, you're right. I was with an amazing team that was, they were not only extremely open-minded, but when I would ask a question, it wasn't met with like, that's a dumb question. They were actually like, that's kind of a good question. Or when they would ask me, well, why are, Sam, are you doing this during your yoga? And I would explain it to them. They're like, that makes perfect sense. I would have never thought about that, you know? So I think, yeah. So the curiosity and my natural curiosity led to me being able to understand a little bit better, or at least not being afraid of asking questions that are then going to help the patients. Yeah. So true. And a love of learning is, is definitely uh, in there as well as it's one of the via strengths as is curiosity. Um, And also, I would say bravery. You had extreme bravery, I felt like, to, ha- to you know, go on these adventures and, and be up for all of these adventures that you have had. The bravery it took to, you know, what you know, to, to kind of move away from what you know and what, what, what you grew up with in that, within that system, being able to move away and find your own path. Yeah. 
I mean, that took bravery. So I, yeah, so many strengths. How do you use it today during COVID-19? I like during this time period that we're in. How are you using those strengths now? I'm using my bravery to figure out technology. I mean, this is not my forte. <laughs> like, I, I kind of joke around, but I'm, I'm like not technologically challenged. And I used to joke around all the time. I'm like, electronics, they just can't handle my energy. I get around them and they just fizzle out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They just like, this technology stuff has been a major, major learning curve. Yes. I know too that we've had like during the entire COVID, I guess maybe the curiosity and the bravery, the curiosity has led me to really take a step back. So with my side business, you know, I've got my full-time job, my part-time job, but then I've got the startup, the side business. And I've always, you know, it really gave me a good time to look and see what I really want to do. And then how to either reinvent myself and or stay true to ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I think... I appreciate the fact that you called me brave. I don't, you know, I guess maybe I don't see that, but I think though too, like I could, I mean, I kind of see it now because it's also, I think takes a little bit of guts to basically I'm going against the fitness and the yoga world mold for the most mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I think that a lot of these things are good, but at the same time, there's so many things that we can improve on in the fitness and yoga communities that are going to benefit our clients and our patients so much more than doing what you keep doing. Right. And it's this shift. And I'm like trying to sit out here and kind of going, hey, y'all, hey guys. look, come, come see this. I'm telling you, you're going to get even better results if you don't do X, Y, and Z. And they're like looking at me like, oh, you're crazy. I'm like, mm. Yeah. I get that a lot, but I mean, so I think that within COVID, I think that that's the other thing too. Like how, oh, I'm just still trying to figure out like how to keep moving forward within the virtual realm, but not be, but not blend into the crowd, which I think we're all kind of doing, you know, cause I think right now too, a lot of, I think maybe the internet's even saturated even more with more fitness and yoga professionals out there. And I'm doing yoga, but I'm doing more yoga therapy. So, and there is a difference. And yes, I understand that a lot of yoga instructors will say all yoga is therapy. Yeah. I mean, you can say that, but this is a little bit more, (laughs) but you know, yoga therapy is just much more tailored and detailed towards the individual. And the great thing about this though, is that I think some people are either not taught, they're not, and that's one thing I'll say, the kinesiophobia. I have all of this education. I have all of this training, all of these certs. Kinesiophobia has never come up in any of my training. Nowhere. Like, right. I mean, it's all something that we kind of know. Right. But we don't know, no. And we don't educate others on it. And that's when they, t- you know, I'll tell people. So it's kind of like more of those behavioral skills and mechanisms. But I'm able to help people learn that how to really knowledge is power. We need to educate our clients and our patients. And talking throughout a yoga therapy session is extremely beneficial to them because if they understand what they're actually physically feeling or emotionally experiencing or mentally dealing with, and they understand the actual scientific rationale, the mystique and the fear is not as prevalent it's almost dissipated, you know? And so it's that reassurance, you know, as it's that connection. 
human connection yeah. is everything, right? Yes. And I think that that in the internet, you know, teaching online, that type of thing, the more connected you are to the people that you're teaching, whether it be, you know, live classes, online, whatever it might be, that human connection, whether it be right now, the best we can do is on a screen, it's still connection. And, you know, so much adherence to exercise comes through when we equate that positive response to being with a person, therefore it's going to make you want to do it more often. So that human connection, I feel, and that as a yoga therapist, you have to know how to hold the space, which I, I mean, especially for people with trauma and PTSD, and which, which I imagine, you know, a lot of the people that you've worked with uh, throughout your life, you know, had some level of PTSD or extreme PTSD uh, based on their, and how much we hold as human beings, that tension in the neck, like, where was that coming from? Well, I didn't know it, but I was really stressed out about a project that I had due. And for whatever reason, it manifested into my neck, right? You know, I mean, we all have those areas of, of tension and, and, um, and that pain, yes, it's, it's physical pain that people feel, but how much of it is if they de-stressed, if they did some breathing yeah. techniques, meditation, would some of that let up? And, and especially during this time right now, yes. more than ever, we need, um, you know, they, they, they say that, you know, therapist, just trying to get, I'm a, I'm a therapist, uh, we're trying to get appointments right now, whether it be telehealth or in person, the demand is very high, right? And I believe that for yoga therapists and for people who can provide those services, um, my hope um, and our fitness industry has been hit hard by this pandemic. My hope is that people will also see how important it is to reach out to their trainers, to reach out to their instructors and say, hey, you know, can I get a small group and you teach me virtually or outside at a park? You know, because that is so important uh, right now. I couldn't agree more with you. You're so absolutely right. And I think that that sometimes too, Americans have been kind of, I don't want to say brainwashed, but we've been taught for so long that in order to lose weight or in order to feel better about ourselves, we need to do these, like these insane, crazy exercises or workouts or things like that. And when reality, the majority of Americans, we're all so yang split up 24 seven. So we end up gravitating towards, and this, look, I'm one of them. I totally admit it. I was totally like that. But what I've learned is I need more yin to balance out all my yin. Right. And so, so many of these people get, gravitate towards these fitness programs and such that end up almost doing more harm and being counterproductive. So then they end up getting all of this muscle soreness. They don't realize what that is. And when you can do programs that are tailored more towards the individual, that emotional and mental stress. Yes. And you can even say say pain, you know, mm -hmm. I think a lot of us, you know, are suffering an emotional, mental pain of some type, it will manifest physically. And when we're able to move, it helps us to feel better physically, which helps us to eventually start peeling back all those onion layers and getting down to the nitty gritty of, well, where exactly is that physical pain stemming from in the first place? which I know is probably way too deep for right now. <laughs> well, no, you know, it's 100%. And, and, and we don't, I mean, I think science is going to show more and more, and I think there'll be more and more studies around this, 
about that level of pain and injury or discomfort that you have in the body, how much it is related to either stress from the past, uh, current stress, and then layers of it, right? Um, that need, like you had said, need to be peeled back and, uh, and that time to heal, you know, and it takes time. You know, something else that you brought up earlier that I wanted to talk about, the reason why people, you know, the, the, they don't want to exercise and also eliminating pain and doing that work that it takes. And, and I think that's the bottom line. People want a quick fix. You know, people want to take a pill to make it, to take the pain away or because it makes it easier. And, but in the long run, it, it, it's not. And yes, that might help you with this moment, but to get those results, you have to go in and work for it, you know, and self-care is work. I mean, honestly, like for those that don't gravitate toward it, like I'm, I'm a workhorse, right? I'm going to go, you know, I'll, I'll go and, and, and do a hard fitness class, right? Or strength-based class. But then it's like, oh, I got to do some recovery. Uh, maybe later, you know, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's so necessary because I was joking with my class that I was teaching the other day that I'm like, I am so sore. I have not had a massage since 2019 at this point. You know what I mean? And I'm used to having them pretty regularly because I'm in the fitness industry and we have to, we ought to be train ourselves like athletes <laughs> anyway. So I, I miss that, but more now more than ever, that self-care is important whether it be taking yoga, uh, especially a recovery yoga class. Mm -hmm. I tend to go more uh, toward uh, my, my gyrotonic is my love. And I teach gyrotonic and I, and, I, and I have a machine now in my house and I'm very excited. So I, you, you'll find me on that in my Pilates, of course. But those are usually my modalities of choice to, to recover. And I see Pilates is a lot of work, but it's also... Uh, and gyrotonic's a lot of work too, but it, it's, it's therapeutic work, much like a yoga therapy. Yes. And that's what I was going to say. Like Pilates, I know Pilates and yoga people. No, Pilates is not yoga. No, well, you, you know, th there's that little argument, but they're so similar. They're so similar. And, th and this is the thing, like, I really don't, I mean, <laughs> I don't care what kind of exercise you're doing as long as you're doing it. Moving. Don't get me wrong. I try to encourage people to do more yin, more restorative, like just do a slow Hatha class. But that's right. also mostly because so many of us, and especially as Americans, again, we're all up, spun up 24 seven. We are completely that mind body connection of your body is basically screaming at you, whether it's chronic lower back pain or a headache or your stomach's upset or whatever. It's basically screaming at you to change your behaviors and the mind is so wrapped up in everything else that's going on it's ignoring what the body right. is trying to tell it and absolutely i think those slower classes you know and those slower styles are so beneficial so we can actually help the mind become aware of the body yes but i also understand it too that a lot of people they don't want to slow down because they're actually almost afraid of what they're going to hear Mm-hmm. And some, and, and, and I'm speaking from experience. On that I know. And I'm, and I'm, I'm having, and, and I have a very heavy sigh, uh, about that as well. Cause it's like, yeah, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I need to rest more. <laughs> so important. Yeah. I love it. This discussion is so good. It's so good. And it's so important. And I think this is a great place, Samantha, you know, that we bring up, um, 
you know, an action item for our audience. And, um, and I would love to hear what your best advice or what action item we could give our audience today to implement like right now, today, right now. I have got two really, really easy ones. One's going to kind of be like all over the, like it's, but it's just those five deep diaphragmatic breaths. I know like we all know we need to stop and breathe, but when we take those deep diaphragmatic breaths, we're stimulating the parasympathetic system, overriding the sympathetic nervous system, helping to bring down the blood pressure. And also too, it just helps the mind to almost pause for a little bit, you know, and we need, we don't, granted, I mean, we, we want our brain to always be working, but at the same time, we need to give it a little bit of a break here and there. And also too, just you, and this is my other thing too, is so many of us, we, we don't do this, but your yoga could be in your chair, just doing some easy spinal twists or just reaching up. I mean, Mm -hmm. just doing something this simple or extending one leg out, hinging at the hips, stretching out your hamstrings, Mm -hmm. something like that is so simplistic and you can still do it. And not have to completely disrupt and go off and, you know, but that right there is huge. And this is one, oh, I'm sorry. This is one little trick too, that I have been telling people lately, especially those, cause I work um, part-time at an inpatient addiction recovery um, facility. Mm. And so what are they finding working in their treatment? Anyways, when you're in your smartphone, you put just a word for the day or a phrase or a mantra that you're either working towards a goal or resonating towards, right? And you go through, and it doesn't take long. You can even do it for the entire week. Every single day, you pick a word, you sit there and you spin the hour, you spin the minutes, and then make sure (laughs) it's on PM. If it's 3.42 in the morning, make sure it's on PM. But what'll happen, and then basically, you know, you kind of set, it'll go off. You know, I've got mine automatically like 10 minute, like, reminder, it'll go off and here's this positive word or this positive thought affirmation that'll pop up on your phone. And what I find sometimes is really crazy. It pops up when you need it. Wow. So let, let, let me, let me get this straight. So you have a timer on your phone, right? That you set and you put a word in there. Well, I don't, I actually put it on as like a, um, what is it? Uh, you know, when you go into your calendar, now I'm like looking at it kind of going, what is it actually say? Yeah, no, I'd love to just tell our audience. Yeah. So like for an Android, I go to my calendar, I click on the day and you know how you can add something on your calendar for that day. Right. So I just hit the add button and where it says title, I'll either put an emoji that I n- either will know immediately what it is or a word like strength, power, yeah. compassion, yeah. kindness. Yes. And then I go to Friday or I I click on, you know, where the time is, I spin the hour Mm -hmm. and then I spin the minutes wherever it lands, it lands. And then I make sure that it's not, you know, I'm not going to be sleeping. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then I hit done and save. And then, so it's just random, Yeah, but it just pops up whenever. So I, yeah, I just kind of, it's just something. And that's what I found is sometimes it'll pop up during the day when you're like, I really needed to see that. (laughs) So love that suggestion. That's so great. And the more positive messages we can give ourselves, the better. And what I loved about the diaphragmatic breath that you mentioned and how important breathing is, and it does quiet the mind, like you had said, and stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system. 
and studies are showing now more than ever that that quiet time uh, that your mind takes, that uh, downloading and that rest period actually makes you more productive. So the more that we take these diaphragmatic breaths and, and this time during the day, the more productive we're going to be overall anyway, and the happier we're going to be because the bets better the better we are treating our bodies in that way as well. So I love that you brought that up. And I think those are two great action items. So guys, in your phones, you know, put in that positive word of the day for yourself and take some time for some deep breaths. And then lastly, do some stretches like Samantha had offered, you know, at the desk, you know, whether it be a hamstring stretch, side bend, twists, whatever it might be, just get motion is lotion like she had said, and you've got to move your body to get that fluid moving and you'll feel a whole lot better. Okay. Oh my gosh. My favorite 80s trends. Okay. Big hoopy <laughs> so brains, I had, said. <laughs> Yes. I had this thing for like all these funky, like huge earrings, like the neon clear hoops. And I had these big white ones and I had like lemons and I have no idea why, but I had a thing oh, and the jelly bracelets. Yes. I just, I don't, yeah, I just remember those. I didn't like the shoes so much, but I love bracelets. <laughs> yeah, when we used to slosh around in our jellies, or our jelly shoes, when, I mean, sweating. When, no one should be wearing plastic shoes. I mean, that's the bottom line, you know? <laughs> but I did love the bright colors. And Samantha, I just want to thank you so much for being here today. And, and nobody, nobody leaves baby in the corner, right? Nobody puts baby in the corner. And I love that you brought that song out because we all love it. And uh, thank you for that. And then tell us the audience how we can get a hold of you because you have so much knowledge and I know that our audience would love to get a hold of you. So tell us how to do that. Yeah, thanks. Um, so I have a website. It's Samantha Parker NMS training.com. I offer, I am a registered 200 hour yoga teacher training school. So I offer an, oh, and I did just get approved. So virtual all next year, all the way through 2021. So I know that a lot of people have been having a hard time doing, you know, in person, this is great. So if I'm very flexible. So please feel free to reach out to me that way. My book is on Amazon yoga for chronic pain, dot, 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 WTF. <laughs> Uh, it is basically written for anybody who is, is, you know, their doctor has told them to go do yoga and they're like, are you serious? I have pain. Like I need some meds, right? I've been told it's a really good book. It's a little bit funny. So it's easy read. And, oh, and also too. So unfortunately I was supposed to host my first yoga therapy retreat this past October in Spain. <sighs> I know. So the, these retreats are going to be tailored towards more chronic pain and chronic issues. So like instead in the morning, we'll do like a two hour workshop yoga class that's tailored towards like chronic lower back pain. And then as the day goes on, we'll have, you know, nutrition and then other little workshops and we'll do uh, basically like excursions. But more importantly, when we're on these excursions, like somebody's back starts to flare up from their backpack. So how can we help to decrease the progression of this and, or when they get back, they realize, oh, wow, I really end up having pain in my hip, what they can do afterwards. So basically like pre, during, and post how to manage their pain and their discomfort tricks that they can use like ergonomics or biomechanics and walking or hiking or biking, whatever they're doing. And then at nighttime, 
instead of doing like yoga meditation classes, we'll do things like um, a yoga nidra class. And then the next night we'll do a PMR. So, you know, not everybody's going to love yoga nidra. Not everybody's going to like progressive muscle relaxation. But when people get exposed to it, that's what they can find out what they kind of do like and not, don't like. And then that way they know more of what to seek out when they get back to the States. And it's just Spain and it's gorgeous. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Love it. That's such a great, great thing to offer. And, and then your guests will leave with uh, more th- items in their toolbox. So thank you again, Samantha, for being with us today. And until next time. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Thank you so much for listening. We want to hear from you. First of all, tell us how these totally rad stories have inspired you. If you have a story with an 80 song inspiration, we want to hear it. You think this podcast is like totally tubular? Well, we would love your review. Stay connected with us on Podopolo and download the app today. Visit me at www.patriciafreiberg.com. Thank you, and we look forward to a double boost of inspiration next Motivational Music Monday.